Welcome to You Wear It Well. Hi, I'm your host, Jeff Heiserman, physical therapist and founder and CEO of Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services. We're at the intersection of fashion and technology, otherwise known as wearables. We look at the people, products, and research that make up this exciting world of wearables. Are you a fashion designer, electrical engineer, or someone with the dream of designing a wearable? Apply for membership to my LinkedIn group page, Biotech Fashion, and join in the discussion. Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services provides a broad array of design and engineering professionals for your wearable project. We feature the following design specialties, pattern making, digital textile, athletic wear, sensor, fashion, exoskeleton, robotics, and mechatronics. We also offer beta testing of your wearable in our private clinic. You choose the demographics and sample size, send us the sample, and we take care of the rest. For more information, go to www.spectrumergonomics.com for more information. So you've discussed the challenges and uh, with with regards to getting the boot to a point where we're happy with it. What challenges did you face in getting it out on the market? And because we all know that we're, you know, people are, are we're all creatures of habit. Well, why, why would I want to buy that? You know, this has been on the market for years. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and get that. So what challenge did you face with the marketing? Can I, can I start here, Jason? Cause I, I just wanted to start at a very high level. I, I feel like we Before really want to marketing though. Right. Go ahead. First we had to find a way to make it. Right. True. So, this aesthetic ambulatory protective device, no one had even imagined making it. The brace factories looked at us like we were crazy, and the shoe factory said it couldn't be done. Um, but because of Michael and Drew's experience, our developer, it was obvious that the footwear factories had much higher tolerances and much more familiarity with most of the materials. So rather than training the brace factories up, we just educated a footwear factory that was used to making high-end boots and sneakers on the hard parts, the bracing components and the sock liner or insole. So that challenge was not easy, especially mid-pandemic. Um, but from there, um, go ahead, Michael. You can you can take it. Now that we have it made, you can talk about the marketing part. Yeah, and I do. I just want to underline that. I think it's you know finding the right factory to partner with because um, this is a hard process for them too, right? They're used to commercializing something in ten months, and so 
for them to be making prototypes for for years uh, on this kind of potential future order is is challenging, right? And keeping keeping them excited and 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 you know getting them to kind of work to the tolerances that we want to be at. Um, and then I think from a, a marketing standpoint, from a from a level up to a branding standpoint, you know, everything we did was really intentional. So we didn't want the brand to feel overly medical, right? Like there's a lot of science behind it, but we want people to feel comfortable. Um, and so the brand mark, the the product photography is very bold, right? The colors are bold. Um, you know, we 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 presented at uh, SAWC, the Symposium on Advanced Wound Care down in Phoenix. What was that? A few months ago now, Jason. And we designed this this trade show booth. It was awesome to get to design the whole trade show booth. And we're the only booth that's like red, black, and white, like just very, very powerful and commanding. And I think that's all with this intention of creating this brand that people want to want to be a part of instead of being something that's thrown at them, it's prescribed to them to be like, oh, this this product, this company is making products that I want to use. And then obviously that's with intention in terms of thinking of the future product pipeline. Okay. So then and, the, the, the secondary marketing challenges. So the, the easy part of our marketing is people understand the need. Everybody wants to heal diabetic wounds. People understand the uniqueness of our product compared to other products that are in the market that were developed for ankle sprains, and they put a five millimeter piece of foam inside it and said, oh, this is the diabetic version of our ankle sprain brace. They understand the difference. The biggest part of the challenge of delivering it to patients so that marketing to sale or to delivery to patients is this whole change in attitude this education that it's not okay to see a patient with a wound and discharge them from your facility the same day with the shoes they walked in. If our goal is to heal wounds, they need to be offloaded from the moment they're seen. And that has proven to be much more of a challenge than expected. Part of that is changing of habits. And the other part of that is the really cattywampus insurance reimbursement system in the United States. <laughs> so and that's putting uh, it mildly, Jason. <laughs> it, blows, it blows my mind that you know people people come in with an injury, uh, you know, not caused by their shoe, but the shoe is probably a contributing factor, right? And they're leaving in that same shoe, and it's just yeah, it, that's that's something we. We have to tell. We have to let people know that's not that's not okay. Yeah, it, it that should not be a standard. What's actually it should be a liability. Yes. Yeah. And do we want a liability in our offices, on our clinics? No, so we I don't want I, that. I think a lot of people were confused by Healthy People 2000, the actual bill that came from the came from the Clinton administration, in which shoes and insoles for diabetic were mandated to be covered by insurances. Somehow that mandate for shoes for diabetics got interpreted as shoes for diabetics with wounds. But that was never the intention. The intention was that diabetics who needed protective shoes to help keeping them from getting wounded. Part of that is we didn't have foot defender available in 2000. The other part of that is that 
and water will seek its lowest point. And there really wasn't much else available. So as practitioners, we went with what we had. Hey, this is approved. This is covered. I'll use this rather than sending you out of here in your Oxford. But it will take some education. We've been in market since April and had had quite, quite the acceptance. Uh, the, the challenge of every human that has an insurance plan has a different set of acceptable reimbursement um, and, and even more globally than that. So if you had a fractured fifth toe, if you broke your toe kicking the door frame, foot defender is 100% reimbursable, no questions asked. But if the only diagnosis you have is diabetic foot ulcer, there's a lot of resistance and a lot of questions as to whether the foot defender can be paid by your plan. Crazy. The incidence of hospitalization from fifth toe fractures is almost none, and the incidence of lower leg amputation is almost none. Yet there's a mortality rate associated with the diabetic foot ulcer. So there's absolutely something broken in our system where this wound that can be healed and treated, we don't have access to products to heal it. It's been, it's been, a, you know, as I said earlier, what I love about my job is just learning so much. I, I've learned so much about uh, just the medical system in the United States and about diabetes. And it's clear, it's clear to me that diabetes is just something we don't like talking about. Yet we all know someone that suffers from it. I mean, just the, statistically speaking, it's kind of impossible not to know someone that doesn't suffer from this. I don't know. I don't know if it's, you know, patient blaming, you know, it's like, oh, they should have taken care of it. You know, I don't know what, what it is, but it's like, it's clear that we don't like culturally talking about this or addressing it. Um, and it's certainly not going to help. I mean, the, the, the fact that in the time that, that Jason and I have been working together, the statistic was once every 30 seconds, somebody gets uh, a limb amputated and now it's once every 20 seconds, what we're doing isn't working. So yeah. we need to change. Yeah, and that's, that's very clear. Yeah. From a financial perspective, Medicare alone in 2019 spent $18 billion on the complications of diabetic foot ulcers, with a large part of that coming during and after the amputation. So in a lifetime, once you've had a below the knee amputation, your medical costs are over half a million dollars. Wow. So imagine, not only could we have a serious effect on people's life and outcome of their life, but what could this country do with an extra couple billion dollars that isn't spent in an unnecessary medical way? And, and this is this is one of the reasons why I took a look at wanting to have you on the podcast, because when I, I took a look at your website and I took a, a close, a, I'll call it a clinical look at the boot, I thought, got to get this podcast out there, um, get the word out, because like you said, it's just the, the, the personal costs that we're seeing in this country, as well as the financial costs are are way too high. And like Michael said, all of us know somebody that has diabetes, if not more than one. Another thing that we need to be taking a look at, too, is how many people are pre-diabetic out there? How many obese teenagers are pre-diabetic? And if they're not going to get off the couch 
and not every and I'm, you know, I'm not saying every teenager sits on the couch here in the United States, but you know what I mean? We have a very, very much less active teenage culture than we did the previous generation, the generation before that and generation before that. So what kind of problems are we going to see them developing? Are they going to be having the diabetic foot ulcers at 25, at 30? Now we've got a young population who's got even more years to go downhill and, and, and more money coming into the healthcare system that's being diverted in that direction. So I think too, in, in, in us talking too, we're also taking a look at, there's an education component too, in getting people to understand that you need a boot like this so that you can get healed and get back to a more comfortable life might also spur some dialogue with, you know what, what can we do about diabetes? Not just what can we do to treat it, but yeah. what can we do to actually prevent it? So I think what you two gentlemen have been talking about falls right into prevention and could be a real boon in the long run for the whole pre-diabetic information that we've been hearing. So I, I really am excited about you know, your particular product here. And I, I really, again, wanted to get it out there so that people can understand that. And while we're on that topic, you know, to all my listeners out there, you know, please do read up more about diabetes. Take a look at what pre-diabetes is, because you may know five or six people that are could be labeled pre-diabetic because of their diet and then their lack of exercise. And we're fighting that all the time in my profession. You know, people will exercise, but then give them a home program. Well, yeah, I did some or I didn't when they come back and see you. Well, we don't do it just to have them exercise. We're doing it because it's going to improve their health, their overall health, not just their shoulder or whatever it might be. And it's the same thing with this. If we can use this as a springboard to get diabetics into, okay, now you're going to heal up faster. Let's talk about getting on an exercise program. Let's lower your blood glucose. Let's work on improving your general outcomes, not saving your life by amputating your leg. The scary numbers, Jeff, the really scary numbers, the CDC predicts that by 2025, which is two years from now, one in three Americans will be diabetic. Wow. That's, yeah. So how many pre-diabetics are floating out there? there, There are three of us on this call right now. Yeah. So one of us might end up, hopefully none of us, we, we know better. We've, you know, we've, now, but our, it's, between it's our, an absolute our edu- epidemic that has been shamed for some reason, and I don't yeah. know the reason, but I think opportunities like this, opportunities to just bring to light, hey, there are a lot of people out there with this same very complex disease, and we may not solve the problem of diabetes, but if we can give them a pathway to communally participate, hey, I want to protect my foot, right? You get a couple hundred thousand people paying attention to their feet. How many of those are going to pay attention to their diet? Oh, and by the way, now that my feet aren't at risk, I can go for a walk. Exactly. Yep. And that's going to help tremendously. Well, gentlemen, my, my very last question that I ask all my very special guests, where do you see this particular sector of wearables that you're in in five years? <laughs> well, we have two more wearable products coming. Um, part of our initial um, integration with patients, what they told us, besides I can't wear the devices, I can't do what I need to do to go to work, and I'm shamed by the appearance. The next one was, I don't want to wear my device that I wore all day at home. So people have a tendency to take off their devices when they get home. Well, unfortunately, carpet doesn't provide any more force reduction than walking in the real world. And most people, A great study by Dr. David Armstrong and Dr. Larry Lavery showed that most people actually double the number of steps during the day at home than they do when they're at work. 
So this is an environment of high force, high risk. So our next product, we call it the Cloud9 Protective Clog, has all of our fancy high-tech force-reducing insole material, but in a simple device that you can slip on. Is it as good as the foot defender decreasing force? Heck no. But it is way better than walking around the house in a sock or a flip-flop or a slide. And, and what we've learned also is we teach diabetics very, very often. We say, hey, you can't be without your shoes. But the moment they go to the hospital, let's say they have a GI problem and they're in the hospital. What does the hospital do? They take their shoes from them and they give them a pair of socks. And by the way, you can't lay in bed. It's bad for you. Get up and walk around in your sock, right? So this is where our Cloud9 product will not only be something useful for non-diabetics, but will actually have a protective function at home and if and when they have to be hospitalized. So I think that in our space, we're going to see an evolution of modern materials and more patient-centric devices. What I'm super excited about is not only patient-centric, but our particular device, we've partnered with a company called Sensoria, a spinoff from Microsoft, that we actually are in testing and have an NIH trial for a smart foot defender. So the foot defender will be able to tell you, you've taken too many steps, you've traveled too far, you're walking too fast on a very simple symbol on a smartwatch. So this way, it further engages. So there are lots of great sensors out there that can measure all sorts of things. But our goal was to further engage the patient in their care, right? How do I know if I've walked too much? How do I know if my foot's at risk? Well, the sensor can tell you, give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down on your watch, and you can seek medical help. Mm -hmm. So these smart devices, which can be monitored remotely, one of the good things of COVID is we now have the ability to patient monitor remotely. Um, one of the few good things. Um, I think that the future of devices that are patient-centric is also going to be some form of monitoring. Definitely. And I, I, I want to say also, just I think one of the encouraging things as we've been presenting this, uh, when, starting when we presented it at SAWC, you know, I was like, I don't know if people will get this immediately, right? Well, we have to explain that this thing that looks good uh, actually functions, right? It's like a little bit like, oh, this, this meal tastes great. It must be bad for me. And so, <laughs> uh, but, but I was really encouraged by how many practitioners saw the foot defender, saw the exploded view, touched it, and immediately understood, like, this is amazing, right? We're, 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 uh, we're getting a, a functional product to people in a way that, that's palatable. So I think the fact that the practitioners, um, such as yourself, Jeff, everybody's like, everybody's really welcoming the, yes, thank you, finally. It's just really encouraging us to, to make more products. And in, in some ways, I I see the the foot defender as a little bit like the F1 car, right? Like, okay, we we tested out a lot of our, our technologies here. Uh, we made something that performs at a very high level. And now how do we take those technologies down to the everyday car that somebody drives to work in, right? In the F1 car analogy. So, you know, how can we make some, some regular products for folks um, after they use the foot defender, on the other foot from the foot defender, maybe to prevent them ever from having to ever even need a foot defender, right? So mm -hmm. um, I think that's, that's where I'm really excited about going.
I'm excited about it just listening to it. And I'm going to um, invite you gentlemen back on again. The, the next product you've come out, please email me. We've been keeping good correspondence back and forth on email. Email me and we'll get you back on the show because, you know, definitely like the the whole train of thought uh, that you had from the scientific to the to the compassion for people that are are suffering, truly suffering with diabetes. It, it, and it's a lot of times it is an invisible suffering. Uh, we you don't see the the health problems that these folks have the 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 near blindness that they can be developing you know you talk we talk about amputation well, and that's visible but you know there's other parts of the body that are deteriorating that we don't see so that you know anytime we can help a population like that i think it's fantastic so again i want to thank you gentlemen for being on the show today and taking time out of your busy schedules uh, sounds like you've got a lot going on in the next 5 years and hopefully these products will come out quicker than the four and a half years you've been working on this. So again, my heartfelt thanks for the work that you're doing because it, it's, you know, it's going to be helping millions of people in the long run. And that's what wearables for me are all about is helping people to live healthier, more comfortable, a fuller lifestyle than they could ever have imagined before. And it, it basically, it extends what we do in the healthcare world out to, to more people than we could ever touch in our clinics. And I think that's the exciting part about being part of the wearable scene is what you folks have been able to do to reach out to help patients you'll never see, people you'll never know, but because you care, they have the potential to get better. And I, I think that's wonderful. So again, thank you, gentlemen, and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff, for the platform. Appreciate the conversation. Are you a startup, wearable company? Don't know where quite to go from here? Well, you have the questions and Spectrum Ergonomics has the answers. Go to our company website at www.spectrumergonomics.com and click on the link wearables. There you'll find a wide variety of services and other contractors that we work with to help make your product become a reality. We're here to help you through the process of iteration to packaging and beyond. Hey, if you're a startup wearable company and you'd like to be able to get your information on this podcast, please contact me at my company website, www.spectrumergonomics.com. I'd love to be able to feature a little bit about what you're doing to let the world know about your wearable. Well, thanks for joining me at the intersection of fashion and technology, and may you wear it well. <laughs>